Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing tonight? Good, good, good. Welcome to SM. Hey, if I don't have the pleasure, if I've never had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Jeffrey. I'm the pastor here. My name is spelled G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y. So most people just call me Pastor G. It's so good to be with you guys, though, for real. If you come regularly, you know that we've been in a series looking at the life of, can anybody tell me? David. Good. And uh, when we met David... He was just a little shepherd boy. Hey, can we turn these lights? I can't see the people. Can you just turn the overheads on a little bit? I feel like I'm talking to this just sea of nothing. They're clap on, I think. Man, we got some. There we go. All right. So when we met David, he was just a shepherd boy. And then uh, he turned into a courageous warrior. And then he was headed to the throne and he was going to be the king. Everybody say king. So it would take me literally months to go through his whole story as the king in First and Second Samuel. So instead, I thought I'd give you a recap of how he saw God working in his life during those times. Let me see if you can finish the scripture. All right, we'll do a little Bible quiz. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Okay, so some of y'all know it. That's Psalm 23. I think it's my favorite scripture. David wrote this, okay? But not the David that probably comes to your head when you're thinking of the name David. He wasn't a little shepherd boy when he wrote this. He was an old man who had time to process his life, think about all the highs, the lows, the ups and downs. And he came to the conclusion that pretty much all of my life, God has been leading me. Everybody say, leading me. So the title of my message for you today is A God Who Is Leading. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I think that's funny because if he says God is his shepherd, that means he sees himself as a what? Try again. It's not that hard, y'all. What does he see himself as? Sheep. No. See, I knew y'all weren't listening. If God is his shepherd, he is a Sheep, okay? And I think that's funny because sheep aren't the most impressive animals. In fact, I did a little research, okay? I did a little research, and I found three things about sheep that I think are funny. They all start with the letter D. The first is this. Sheep are directionless. Everybody say directionless. They're literally called wandering animals. You could put a sheep in a big old field of green grass with all this food, and before you know it, it'll just be like on the side of a mountain like, help me, I don't know how I got here. And I'm not even lying. I'm going to read you. This is a real story from the news. This is a real story. <clears throat> Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their death this week while shepherds looked on in dismay. Not just, not just a couple sheep. Listen. 400 sheep <laughs> fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ditch near Iran. But they broke the fall of another 1,100 sheep who survived. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep free to roam. The loss to local farmers was estimated at $74,000. Don't clap for that. Yeah. Y'all, you know how long it would take to watch 1,500 sheep just like... Whew, whew. You would think 
that at some point, one of the little sheepies would be like, mm-mm, they're all falling. I think we should go that way. But they don't because they're directionless. That's the first D. Here's the second one. Sheep aren't just directionless. They are defenseless. Everybody say defenseless. Okay. When an animal is threatened, give you a little animal lesson. When an animal is threatened, they normally have one of three responses. Fight, flight, which is like running away, or posture. So like if you threaten a bear, it's going to fight you, right? You threaten a deer, what's it going to do? Run, flight. If you threaten a possum, it will play dead. That's called posture. Sheep don't fall into any of these three categories. If you threaten the sheep, what they will do, you could YouTube this, they will all just start running in a circle and yelling. It's so funny. You just see like all these sheep, they're like, ah! Almost just to say like, look, man, we know we can't fight and we're not going to outrun you, but you can only pick one of us. <laughs> Hopefully it's not me. It's like Russian roulette. That's what they play. So because they're defenseless and because they're directionless, lastly, sheep are dependent. Everybody say dependent. They really need a shepherd. Like, they need a shepherd if they're going to be okay. They need a shepherd to lead them, feed them, care for them, protect them, all that stuff. So Psalm 23 is written by really a humble person because he saw himself as dependent, defenseless, and directionless as a sheep. And I just sometimes wonder, like, do you see yourself like you need God that much? Or do you think like you're pretty good without God? Or you need God maybe in this area, but not this area? Because if you don't see yourself as a sheep, you're probably not going to have God lead you very much because you don't see yourself accurately. Psalm 23 is all about how God leads us as Christians. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dive into the word and I'm going to talk about three ways that God leads us. Everybody say three ways. Three. All right. You ready? You got the underlying part. The first three verses are like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. What is David saying? Think about it if you're a sheep. Green pastures, that's food. Quiet waters, that's drink. And then, if your physical needs aren't enough, he also says, he refreshes my soul. That's your spiritual and your mental health. God cares about all of it. The first thing David wants you to know is, God leads me by providing my needs. Everybody say providing. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I take all the stuff God gives me for granted. Like, I got food in my stomach, clothes on my back, a roof over my head. I'm very thankful I'm healthy enough to like run around, play around, have a good time. You know that the average person breathes 22,000 times in one day. I took 22,000 breaths yesterday. I didn't think about not one of them. Did you? Probably not. I don't think we always realize how much God gives us. I think a lot of times we're like my dog. I talk about my dog a lot because I'm a kid. One day I'll talk about my kid. But for now, I need to talk to you about Winnie, okay? You've seen my dog. Bob brought a picture for fun. This is Winnie when she was a little baby. Uh, <laughs> isn't that so cute? She's so cute. Okay. Well, she's not always cute. Listen, I'm a good dog dad. I'm a good provider. Right, Nick? Thank you. I make sure that she has 
haircuts. She gets exercise. She gets water. I even bought her like bougie dog food because the regular kibble made her paws itch. Vet told me my dog had an allergy. I said, you have an allergy. I didn't say that, but he did. I'm just kidding. Okay. He really, I have to buy like the, I don't know what it is. It's like bougie dog food. I literally care about this dog so much. I'm such a good provider. But the other day, let me tell you what happened. Ooh, it made me mad. The other day I got a treat for my dog. He's trying to be nice. Okay. 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 And I dropped the treat in the dog bowl. There you go, baby. Have a good day. There's your little treat. And I noticed that the water bowl right next to the food bowl was getting low on water. So I was going to fill it up for her so she could have a drink. But the second I started crouching down, she thought, oh, he's getting too close to my food bowl. And you know what she did the second I crouched down? Just like that. I was like, and she like literally looked at me. And I was, y'all laughing. It made me mad. I literally was about to shave her bald and throw her in the wild and be like figure it out see how because she needs me i'm a good provider and y'all i'm not gonna lie i'm petty i took the treat out the bowl and i threw it away i did i see the next time you growl listen i am so glad that god is not as petty as me because sometimes i am as ungrateful as my dog is and i think a lot of times we are you realize how much god's given you I don't even care how much money you have, how much money your parents come from. You got clothes on your back. You got breath in your lungs. You didn't put it there. Man, we ought to get better at praising God like David and being in this habit of going through life saying, man, God, you have given me so much. But I think a lot of times we catch ourselves like complaining to God, growling at God like, like when he was growling at me and i think just next time we find ourselves complaining or wanting to have like a little pity party we need to change the pity party and have a praise break and be like you know what lord i want to complain right now but let me just like david take inventory of all the things that you given me god you gave me food today thank you god you gave me clothes today thank you god you put a roof over my head thank you god you gave me people that love me thank you god i don't deserve everything you give me and what whenever you make gratefulness a habit it really helps but a lot of times we don't make gratefulness a habit we don't really thank God for all the needs he provides we just go through life and we take it for granted God provides our needs now maybe you're in here like pastor G fine but I don't really God's not leading me he might be providing my needs but he's not leading me no he is he is but I wonder if you're following I got to show you something verse 3 it says this he, is it up there, verse 3? He refreshes, is that up there? Heck yeah. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path. Okay, that word path, I need to teach you something. That word path, it actually like, in the language, it means worn path, like a, like a wagon track. You know how sometimes like you can see uh, like the, the tire tracks in a dirt road, like it's there. It's obvious. That's what that thing means. That word means it's an obvious, obvious, obvious path. What's it saying? It's saying this. God leads you. Listen, because you think God's not leading me. God's not talking to me. God leads you primarily through what is obvious, the obvious path in his word. But if I'm being honest, I think a lot of people want God to guide them in what's not obvious. Like, God, show me who to marry. God, show me that. But they don't want to follow God in what is obvious in his word. We're just like kind of doing our own thing. 
Like, God, please show me because I need new friends. No, you don't. You need to stop gossiping about the ones you have now. That's the obvious path. Take that. God will make the rest more obvious. It's not obvious right now. Lord, I don't know if I'm supposed to marry him. Well, you're sleeping together right now. Take the obvious path, and maybe he'll clear up the unobvious one later. I'm not trying to come at anybody. I'm trying to tell you, listen, if you're going to ask God to help you in what is not obvious, at least follow him in what is obvious. That's what you got to do. You got to follow God in the worn path. And there's a reason. Listen, because I'm not, I'm not like just coming here to like get mad. I want the best for you, I promise. There's a reason God asks you to like follow the obvious path. It says right here in verse 3b, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Why does he guide you in the right path? Why does he want you to walk the obvious path for his namesake? What does that mean? When you take the path God asks you to take, that means his name is on it. I'm going to put it like this. I used to be that nerd that in the group project, I would do all the work. Anybody else in here, like, you know that if we're having a group project, raise them high and proud. God bless you all. We, Rob, definitely don't raise your hand, Rob. Um, playing bus. Just kidding. Sorry. Smile. Okay. Um, Rob's like, when I was in a group project, I was always going to do the job to get the good grade. Why? Because my name was on it. So if my name was on the project... It was going to be good. I was going to come through. I was going to show up. I was going to do a good job. Anything that my name was attached to, I didn't want it to be bad. So, so watch this. When God says, take this path because my name's on it, what he's saying is, when you follow me on the obvious path that I've called you to live in my word, in the Bible, my name is on that. He cares about it. When you're on that path, he's going to take care of you. Why? Because he put his name on there. When you're on that path, he's going to show up, show out, all this stuff, but God is not going to back a path he didn't ask you to take. Sitting there like, God, why is all this happening? He's like, because you're not even on the path I'm asking you to go on. This is the consequence. It don't mean he, he won't rescue from it, but he's not going to bless it. So God provides all of our needs. What needs are those? Food, water, rest, direction. That's just the first three verses. Now let's move on. Verses four and five. What else does David say? He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, I hope you notice how big of a turn of events this took, because in verses one through three, you know where we were? He said, we are in the green pastures. We're in the still waters. Mm, sounds like a little resort. Sounds nice. And then in verse 4, I'm in the darkest valley of the shadow of death, and I'm in the presence of my enemies. That was fast. One verse. We're in a totally different place. But I feel like that's a reflection of life. Because you could be going through life, and things are going, ooh, so good, having a good day. Then in one second, with one text, one conversation, one thing you heard somebody said about you, one interaction with your parents, it doesn't matter. At that point, you could be in a very low, dark, anxious, scary place. You ever got a bad phone call, something happened to your relatives, and all automatically, oh my gosh. David says, man, we're all going to go through a dark valley, a hard time. 
But God doesn't just provide for our needs. Number two, God protects me when it's scary. Everybody say protect. Do a little better. Say protects. David said, it went from green pastures to dark skies. Now, here's what you got to know about sheep, okay? Because we're still talking about sheep. Sheep have terrible vision, especially in low light. So if a sheep is going to see you in a dark valley for you to lead it through the dark valley, it's got to be really close just to be able to see you. So what David is saying here is that, oh, let me tell you this way. I don't know if you noticed this. In the first three verses, David is talking about God. He says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Everybody say, he. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Then he says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Say, he. And then he restores my soul. Everybody say, he. He's, when it's good, in, in the green pastures, the quiet water, the good times in life, he's talking about God. Okay. But did you notice what happened in verse 4 when he's going through a bad time? Watch it one more time. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. So we're in the valley now. I will fear no evil for you. Not he. You. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen to me. In the green grass, he talks about God. In the dark valley, he's talking to God. Why? Because when life gets hard, scary, and dark, you better draw real close. That's what he's saying. But I think a lot of times people do the opposite. You ever notice that? A lot of times people go through a hard time and they'll blame God. They'll get further from God. They'll turn their back on God. They're, they'll harden their heart towards God. And David's like, uh-uh, that's the exact wrong approach. When life gets harder, you better get closer. At some point, you got to stop talking about God to people and start talking to God for yourself. That's what he's saying. So, so why? Why, Pastor G? Why do I need to be close? Because a good shepherd has two tools. i got to show you two tools. One more time. Put that verse up. I'll get off this verse. Just one more time. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, that's the first tool. Rod and your staff. That's the second tool. They comfort me. Why were the rod and the staff comforting to the sheep? Let me explain. So a shepherd had two things. He had a rod and he had a staff. The rod was like a club. And when an animal would threaten the little sheep, like a bear, a lion, guess what he would do with the club? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Attack! Attack! He would defend it. So that's why, like, I read that in one of the messages in the series, David's trying to convince the king to let him fight Goliath. And he's like, no, I can fight Goliath. He's like, how can you fight Goliath? And he's like, because when I was a shepherd, bears and lions would try to come eat my sheep. And I would take my club and I would kill them. So the club was very much like this defending power. And when the sheep saw that the shepherd had the club, it was like, hey, we're good. He's going to protect us. But then you had the staff. Everybody say the staff. Staff and the club are different. The club was something you beat people with, but the staff was this long little stick with a big hook on the end of it. And the shepherd would use it like this. When the sheep would wander away, and because sheep have ADD, that's why I think y'all are like sheep. And the sheep would wander away, and the shepherd would use the walking stick, and he would hook them, and he'd pull the sheep back. And back then, they would have like all these like, they're like thorn bushes, but they had berries in them. 
And so the, the sheep were like, oh, the berries look yummy. So they would go and they would eat the berries, but then they'd sometimes get stuck in the thorns. And so the shepherd, in his loving kindness, would take the staff, he would hook them with the staff, and he would pull them out of the thorns. So it was almost like this like nice, comforting the sheep. When he was with the shepherd, he was like, okay, he's going to protect me if something comes against me, and he's going to pull me back if I start to get too far away. That's why they're comforting. So what is David saying? Basically, when you walk through a dark valley, here's what you can bet on. You could bet that you got God's defending power on one side of you, and you got his redeeming grace on the other side. You got a God who will Beat the enemy away from you. He will push the enemy back when it comes to get you. But he will pull you back when you try to leave him. He is so stinking good. I wish you knew all the times. And sometimes you don't realize it till you get old. Okay? Because think about it. If God's defending you in the dark valley, because it's dark, sometimes you don't even understand all the stuff he's defending you from. I think one day we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to see all the enemies God beat away from us, and we're going to be like, whoa, God, you did that? I didn't even know that. I told them last service, when I was 16, I got in a car crash, and I, I had like a soft top convertible, and I flipped it three times. I walked away without a scratch. Well, I had a little scratch on my back, but no like real problem. Man, I'm happy God was beating the enemy of death or being paralyzed away from me. You realize when you're in a dark valley, you got to stay close. Why? Because he's got a club to defend you with his power, and he's got a staff to redeem you with his grace. So every time something comes at you, he says, get away. That's my kid. Every time you, come, you try to leave him, he says, come back here. You're my kid. He is so good, whether it's pushing things off you or pulling you back to him. When life gets hard, you better stay close to him. You can't afford to get far from him. He's always doing more than you could ever, 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 ever see. So in the valley, here's, here's my suggestion. In the valley, I'll stay close. Everybody say, stay close. stay close. Take courage and receive correction. Okay, the first five verses, what do we learn? God provides our needs. God protects us when it's scary. And uh, David comes to this conclusion in verse 6. He says, surely your goodness and your love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's goodness and mercy, David says, are pursuing you. It's following you, following you, following you. Where to? He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's talking about heaven. God leads us through every green pasture, every dark valley, but our ultimate destination in life, right? It's not earth. It's not this earth. It's heaven. It's eternity with God. It's, listen, I take so much comfort in knowing that there's an ultimate destination because if things were always going to be as broken as they are, I wouldn't want to live here forever. Man, with people, I mean, you see it. The world's crazy. People hurting each other. People lying, stealing, worrying about themselves. I take comfort in knowing this isn't our ultimate destination. God's leading us somewhere a lot better than this for all eternity. But let us not thank God for heaven and then forget what kind of cost it came at so we could get there. Here's the last thing. God leads me. Why or how? Number three, by pursuing me with his life. I need to show you one more time. One more time. Verse four says this. 
even though I walk through the darkest valley, but you've probably heard another translation that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, yeah, you've heard it. The reason like some people translate it one way and some people put it another way is because it's like weird. This was originally written in Hebrew and David basically just took the word for shadow and took the word for death and he just stuck them together and he had made a whole new word. So that's why people say, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So let me talk to you about the shadow of death. As I'm talking to you about heaven, as I'm talking to you about where God leads, if I were to take you to the highway, okay, and we just stood in the shoulder of the highway, and we watched trucks passing by at 75 miles an hour, right? You ever been close to a car when it drives by? You could like feel the wind, and you're like, hey, and we're just going 75 miles an hour, and I asked you, would you rather get hit by the truck, or would you rather get hit by the shadow of the truck? Yeah, I'd hope if you're in a good place, you know, if you're like the truck, it's like, we need to pray, man. But if you were like, you'd probably, if you're in a good place, say, I'd rather get hit by the shadow of the truck. Why? Because the shadow can't really do anything. So what does the Bible mean when it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that in this life, death can't really do anything. We face the shadow of it. Why? Because Jesus Christ on the cross was hit by the truck of death for your sins and for my sins so that you and I would only ever have to face the shadow of it. Listen, in the Old Testament, it's crazy. Jesus like reverses everything. In the Old Testament, the sheep would have to be sacrificed for the sins of the shepherd. You know that? If not, it's okay. They would have to kill sheep to be like, Lord, I'm sorry. This is what my sin does. But in the New Testament, the shepherd, Jesus, was sacrificed for the sins of the sheep. He makes it all different. And sometimes people sit there and they think, oh, like, I'm too far gone or God's not going to forgive me. No, that's completely ridiculous. God would forgive you over and over and over again. He loves you. He died for you. And that's why he's talking about the shadow of death. Jesus already conquered death, hell, the grave, every sin you would ever commit. So the only power anything has over you is a shadow. It cannot really do anything because God is on your side. God pursues you with his life. So I got to wrap it up because they're getting out over there. But Heaven comes at a high price, but it's going to come and every tear is going to be wiped away. His goodness and mercy pursue us all the days of our life. But until then, God's providing three ways. He's, uh, he's leading three ways. He's providing our needs. Everybody say providing. He's protecting when it's scary. Say protecting. And he's pursuing us with his life. Say pursuing. Awesome. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Victoria area, stop by one of our services. Church is way better with people. So if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, check out our Instagram at ffc.ya. All of our service info is there. And if you're 6th through 12th grade, check out our Instagram at ffc.sm. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. Have a great day.